Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Eagles, the Eagles had their final practice of OTAs. They will not be on the field now until training camp. We'll recap that. Plus, we start our new series, A Beef History, going through all of the most important and biggest inside controversies throughout Eagles history. That's coming up on this edition of Locked On Eagles. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Welcome in, Eagles fans, to a Wednesday edition of the show. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Gino Camilleri. We've been your Lockdown Eagles podcast daily, Philadelphia Eagles podcast now for four years. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter at LockdownBirds, at DiBiase, L-O-E, and at GC24 underscore football. We're on video form on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast and audio form on all platforms going to be an interesting show today and it's brought to you by bluenile.com make your moment sparkle with jewelry from bluenile.com and locked on listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more using the promo code locked on Gino uh, as I said today the Eagles wrapped up OTAs on field practices they will take the month off now pretty much the next two months they do not come back to the Novacare complex until they report for training camp which is July 26th But looking at some of the news of the day on the field, sounds like Jalen Hurts thrived again. A couple big bombs to Quez Watkins and John Hightower. And Nick Sirianni spoke at his press conference and really raved about Hurts and the timing, anticipation, footwork, mechanics. Overall, he just said everything about Hurts right now is, quote, you know, more crisp, which is uh, huge because we know, you know, the physical gifts, the arm talent, that goes back and forth about if it's a B arm or an A arm, but it is what it is. If he's going to take bigger steps, it's got to be through these areas. You'd have to believe so. And the first thing that it comes down to is, I believe, who was he working with in this offseason? He went to a completely different throwing coach out in California this year, as opposed to the past, where I believe it was Avery was his quarterback yeah, coach. Yeah, Avery. Qu- or not, not Gennard Avery. Gennard Avery. 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 Quincy <laughs> Can you Avery. imagine? Come on. Yeah, Gennard Avery couldn't play linebacker, but all of a sudden he's a quarterback He's coach. been low-key, Jalen. Like, no wonder he's running so much. No, definitely. But it does seem like his release has gotten a little quicker, gotten a little... I would say more efficient. The it's feet seem tighter. tighter together, less wide. Feet tighter. None I saw of that. you were yeah, chatting with an honest NFL about that as yeah. well. And it seemed that a lot of those issues came down to just little added steps in his footwork. And honestly, with footwork, it comes down to just not doing too much. It comes down to just keeping your base, keeping your feet under you, taking short, choppy steps. And Jalen's next evolution is to be a passer within the pocket. Yes, you want to use his outside of the pocket ability. You don't want to take that away from him. But now, and what we saw towards the end of last year, was him feeling more comfortable in the pocket. And when you see him for the first time in 2022, where it's a little messier than a normal pocket than we've seen, and he takes a couple steps up, keeps his eyes downfield, and delivers a nice pass down into the deep intermediate areas of the field – you're going to say, okay, that is paid off. We have seen what he can do in the pocket, and it's all going to come down to just confidence. It really is just feeling comfortable within that area, feeling comfortable within that five-by-five yards that you have, 
and understanding the guys around you are going to make your job easier, especially because you have the best offensive line in football. So just stand in there and deliver to your wide receivers who now you have potentially two 1,000-yard receivers, a potential 1,000-yard tight end, a potential 2,000-yard running back in Miles Sanders. And one of Kenny the most, Gainwell the way, is coming on the scene. And one Quez of the most Watkins. underappreciated deep threats in Quez Watkins, who Gino mm-hmm. caught a quote-unquote 50-yard touchdown today in seven-on-sevens. And it got me thinking because I think last year, you know, you think back to that big bomb he had against San Francisco week two, mm-hmm. right? That, what, 91-yard reception. Um, outside of that, though, Quez Watkins is big thing. And we've been saying on the podcast for years now that Quez Watkins is way more than a burner, right? He had the mm-hmm. highest contested catch rate of any Eagles player last year. Played most of his time in the slot, right? A lot of screens, you know, crossers over the middle. They used him, I think, 71% of the time as the wide receiver. So we've always said he's more well-rounded, but his big thing is that he has 4-3 speed, second fastest 40 time in the 2020 combine behind Henry Ruggs. And I think that wasn't utilized enough last year. He had that big bomb today. And I don't know, Gino, do you think maybe him playing on the outside more and letting Brown and Smith play more inside this year will help him get more involved? Like, I think you got to find a balance of getting him inside, you know, using him in space, of course, but at the same time, utilizing that speed down the field to help free everybody else up. I think there's a lot of factors with Quez Watkins. First comes with the comfortability in your quarterback year over year. And now you're going to have for the second straight season. And Lou, we haven't talked on the importance of this. How little continuity over the past decade Eagles playmakers have had with the quarterback position. It's nearly every year that a different guy was starting there. Even when Carson was here in 2018, he has the back injury Nick Foles is starting off the season, and then you have another year, Carson, one more year after that, and then it's on to Jalen Hurts. Well, and even when it was Carson for multiple years, it was always different receivers. So when it's not the same quarterback, it's, you know, the same receivers, and when it's not, you know, vice versa. So it's always a different quarterback or different receivers. You're right, man. Continuity hasn't really been there since, like, Mm -hmm. Vic, D-Jax, and Macklin, probably. Year over year. Yeah. If you look at it, and now you have the same type of thing when you're looking at the playmakers that are there. And you could throw Zach Ertz into that conversation if you look at continuity with quarterbacks. He never had a quarterback, the same guy, for I think the first four years of his career. Right. Because he comes in in 2013. Nick and Foles. Yep. Nick and Foles. Then he gets Sam. Then Carson Wentz comes in. Yeah. Then and Nick's then he, back there. Yeah. And then he plays with Jalen Hurts to round out his career. So to have these playmakers, especially a guy like Quez, where his game, and you talked about it outside of the downfield burner element, the rhythm passing, go down the field, and know when your quarterback's deep ball is going to deliver into your hands, that takes a lot of reps. Deshaun Jackson was a great downfield receiver, but you saw him evolve three to four years into his career once he started getting this better route running into his game. Quez will become a better route runner. He'll become a more overall good receiver, especially now that he's playing second, third, maybe even fourth cornerbacks at times where he's going to be able to win those one-on-one matchups. And just that will bring confidence. It could be, I look back to the 2016 group, right? Lou and Nelson Aguilar, he had a, he had a lot of pressure on him, but the pressure doesn't go away when you're playing a top two cornerback and you can't separate one-on-one. Quez now is going to be able to feed off of going against these guys that should be yeah. covering 
I would say a guy like Zach Pascal or Greg Ward, but now you're stuck covering Quez Watkins, who realistically should jump in year two to three, which is a huge year for wide receivers as well. And that athleticism and having those players in-house that are such good route runners, if you can mesh those two concepts, that's really where you start to pay I dividends. Agree. Because when you look at DJX, why you and I were so beloved of the idea and we fell in love with him coming back was because of his route running ability towards the end of his career. We said he's not going to burn down the field like he did early on, mm -hmm. but he could get open and separate. And that's what Quez can do. He's a separator through and through. Right. And there's pros to both playing inside and on the outside. But at the same time, you know, I kind of want a rotation here like there was last year because right. I think each guy has something to offer different inside. Like AJ Brown brings the physical dynamic, Devontae mm -hmm. Smith, you know, more of the nuance and the technique, the route running, Quez Watkins, the speed when you get him in the open field. We saw what that did for Nelson Aguilar in 2017. But at the same time, too, as Quez does develop, you're going to want that speed on the outside at times as well. I think For all sure. three receivers are very complimentary this year, and so you want to see them all moving around, and it'll be super interesting to see what Nick Sirianni wants to do with that group. As a former wide receiver coach, you know that's going to be one of his favorite parts of the offseason to focus on. You know he's already been working through all that, and I'm sure they imagined the plan when they traded for A.J. Brown a month ago. It's the best receiving core, Gino, they've had in a very long time. You could argue A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have been the best wide receivers, even outside of Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin, since probably Terrell Owens. And Gino, I want to talk about Terrell Owens. Coming up next, we're starting a new series. It's called A Beef History. So this, okay, for people that don't know, and it seemed like a weird name. Uh, Stephen Hawking wrote a book one time called A Brief History, which is one of my favorite books as a low-key space nerd. And so I, I was reading it the other day, and I'm like, oh, it would be a really cool idea to do a beef history and go through Eagles history and look at some of the biggest controversies, you know, riffs inside the locker room between the front office members and head coaches. And I think the biggest one maybe in Eagles history was Donovan McNabb versus Terrell Owens. And this is really good timing considering what Deshaun Jackson just said on I Am Athlete, the podcast hosted by Brandon Marshall the other day. So it's pretty much McNabb versus receivers is the beef we're going to get into on today's edition of Locked on Eagles. Guys, first, though, a shout out to one of our sponsors. It's Blue Nile at BlueNile.com. You can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Lockdown listeners, they get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive also includes engagements. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. That's promo code LOCKDOWN+. Plus. Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueDial.com today. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this Wednesday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. It's Locked On Eagles. And guys, we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about our listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about the shows. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everybody that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 
$100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey. We thank you so much for your help. Gino, we're going to start off our a beef history series that we're going to start throughout the next week where we take a look back at some of the biggest beefs, some of the biggest tensions and rivalries and you know issues, this team controversies they've had over the course of their franchise's history. And one we started thinking about again just the other day because Deshaun Jackson joined Brandon Marshall, LaShawn McCoy, and Adam Pacman Jones on the I Am Athlete podcast. And he was talking about how Donovan McNabb in 2009 told Michael Vick that when Deshaun Jackson that year was became the first player to ever be named to the Pro Bowl at two different positions as a receiver and as a punt returner, McNabb told Vick that he didn't think Deshaun Jackson deserved it. And so this got me thinking about, man, it's funny because you look at McNabb's career. Most of his career, he had to deal with a severe lack of star weapons. Gino, listen to these receiving leaders that he had, wide receivers that had the most yards on his team from 1999 to 2003 before T.O. came in. It was Torrance Small in 99 with 655 yards. 2001, it was James Thrash at 833. 2002, Todd Pinkson at 798. 2003, Todd Pinkson at 575. And yet the two receivers that were Hall of Fame level when it comes to talent, T.O. and Deshaun Jackson, he couldn't make things work with them, right? I mean, it's kind of crazy how McNabb, and maybe it just, again, it sucks that it shows maybe the insecurities he's always had, but... You know, now we know about the beef with Deshaun Jackson too. It's like, why couldn't this guy make it work with the receivers that he, this team could never get him? And the two guys he got, it just didn't work. We'll, we'll start off with a continuing conversation of the guys that were there with those receivers that you had mentioned already. James Thrash was in the mix. You had Chad Lewis at tight end, who he was a five to 600 yard guy. Deuce Staley was involved in the pass game a little bit. Brian Westbrook started to get involved once he was drafted more. Freddie Mitchell, can't forget about Fred X, baby. I mean, he Another was Another guy, by too. the way, though, that has talked a lot of crap about Donovan. By he the has. Way. He has. backed up T.O. So, so that, add it to the list as well. Yeah. So then 2004 comes around, and we know what happened in the three previous years. You get to the Mecca, the game before the Mecca, the penultimate game, the NFC Championship. And you lose in ways that were not in an offensive light. You lost because you didn't score points. So right. what did you have to do? You had to be one of the first teams at the turn of the 20th century or 21st century that had to go out and pay a top receiver. And if the you look, link. he was the it, missing piece. He was. And, and the way that that's going is how teams recently are looking at it with Tyreek Hill going to Miami. You look at the Eagles at trading for A.J. Brown. It's always finding that next star receiver, that next guy that's going to put you over the edge. Terrell was that guy. We can't forget the great Antonio Freeman who was here for one year. I want to get an Antonio Freeman jersey. He had a great That'd season, a great six, 600 yards in Philadelphia after he played with Brett Favre for a majority of his career. But besides that, 2004 was the Terrell Owens show, and he backed it up in every single way. He's the first 1,000-yard receiver they had since the turn of the century. He was the only guy that led them to a Super Bowl out of their entire group. The rest of them only made it to the NFC Championship game. And the one denominator that wasn't common across those other three seasons was Terrell Owens. Right. And then it was only one year, not even a full calendar year, did we get to see 
what could have been and by the way it was going electric. into the next year man it was electric on the field Ooh. when the two were together it mm-hmm. absolutely was and with McNabb and Djax too from 2008 and 2009 those two on the field had a lot of chemistry it, it worked production wise when the two were out there and it makes sense all three of them are some of the greatest of their positions of all time but and again this is not letting T.O. off because Terrell Owens is at issues pretty much outside of Buffalo everywhere he's went. So he's as much as fault as McNabb is. Like this is a very 50-50 thing. Like this isn't like some other, you know, beefs in Eagles history where I kind of side with one guy over the other. Like going back now, I do not side with Chip Kelly and I don't side with Howie at times. But with this one, it's like it was on both of you and neither one Mm -hmm. of you want to admit it to this day. Donovan McNabb and T.O. do not like each other and they still talk bad about each other. So again, it was kind of inevitable seeing these two characters, but again, especially T.O., but McNabb didn't even really try to deal with it, you know, Gino, to make it work. Like everybody knew when T.O. came from San Francisco, the reputation he had, the kind of attitude he had, and the kind of personality he was. And I remember the first time ever I was watching that documentary where T.O. was talking about it. The first time he finally spoke up that McNabb missed him on a throw, McNabb told him in the huddle to shut the F up. Like the mm-hmm. first time he, he didn't even try to show any patience or try to make it work. Be the bigger guy, be the leader, be the quarterback and de- and say, look, I have a hall of fame level player here. And yes, is he hard to work with at times, but I got to make this work because he's the missing piece. He wasn't willing to take that on himself. Like some other guys would to sacrifice. And that's what Deshaun Jackson even said on his podcast the other day. Like McNabb was never the fall guy. He would kind of always point the finger. And that's kind of disappointing to hear now by a lot of people. Even LaShawn McCoy confirmed it. Like he was agreeing with Jackson on that show. That sucks because McNabb's the most accomplished quarterback, you know, quality, you know, throughout a long period of time in your franchise's history. And I think it's really telling the quarterback that beat him in the Super Bowl, Tom Brady. Sure. When you talk about the quarterback position and having to let your ego go, Tom is the king of doing that. He made it work he, with Randy Moss. He he knows he's the best quarterback on the planet. Like people, we we know that Tom thinks that. Tom, but Brady, when he, Tom Brady's a great example. He made it work with Randy Moss and Antonio Brown. He wanted on his team twice. And Bill Belichick, arguably the hardest guy in the National Football League to work with. He got it done for nearly two decades. And you have to put your ego aside a little bit at times. And Donovan never did that. And that's the one thing that when I look back, I I love Donovan. You see all the painting. I'll point it out again here. I got a bunch more upstairs too. Donovan was my guy coming out of Syracuse. At Syracuse, he did everything. He led that team somewhere they never had been before. And since then, have never even come close to. He was the guy in his first few years in Philly after dreadful seasons prior to Donovan McNabb. It was bad. He comes here. He turns it all around. They just can't get to that next step, which is the Super Bowl. And he couldn't accept that it does take more than one person. And not just Terrell. They had to go out and sign Javon Kurtz to a massive deal as well. That was the very first time we got a little taste of a quote-unquote dream team-like environment where you're bringing in two in their prime of their career stars in the National Football League. And Javon Kurtz, he was one of the best defensive ends we've ever seen, puts his ego aside. That defense continues to do what it does. They knew that they had a missing piece, which was the defensive end. You saw that it carried them for multiple years. You look at the offense, when you had to get it done, look at what side of the ball dropped the ball, no pun intended, in that Super Bowl, Lou. It was the offense. 
the defense held Tom Brady to sub 30 points. I think it was, I think it was the insecurities. And again, you can see why a person is the way they are, but that doesn't always excuse the behavior. You know what I mean? Um, there was a whole book that I read about even like Michael Vick in the whole dog fighting issue. And it's like, well, look, here was like the culture he grew up in all this stuff. I'm like, sure. But eventually when you're exposed to normal society to a certain degree, you eventually know right and wrong. You know what I mean? Like there's all these documentaries about, and I'm, this is a crazy analogy, but like, you know, the, the murder mysteries and all that. It's like, here's why they were the way they are. It's like, okay, but it still doesn't excuse you to be this way Yeah, to go crazy back to Donovan McNabb. I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry for that analogy, but you get my point. No murder. <laughs> yeah. That, that was maybe not the choice to use, <laughs> but um, with McNabb, it's like, I get it. The minute this guy was drafted, he was booed, right? The whole, we want Ricky thing. And he was never revered in Philadelphia. Still to this day, the way that, most quarterbacks that are the most accomplished in their team's history that, you know, his number is retired in the rafters of the link. Like he's not revered normally the way that guy should be despite making the conference title five times in a Super Bowl. And so I understand, yeah, I understand the, why maybe the jealousy and resentment for other praise players would, I understand maybe why that would show. And, you know, he would even talk about, I remember like he had comments about Carson Wentz when he was thriving and mm-hmm. it just, you could see it's like, this is clearly a, a self-motivating comment. So it just makes him really like, even though you understand it, he's used it in such a almost bitter way. And it, it kind of showed in times like with T.O. and with Djax making the Pro Bowl and with Wentz's success and even Foles. And it kind of makes him, it's made him kind of unlikable since he's been traded in 2009. It's, it's a weird, like, uncomfortable vibe with him which sticks lou i know we always talk about built bar i know in the past we've talked about how delicious anything that they make involving brownie is well guess what folks they have one-upped any bar that they have ever made caramel brownie i say caramel i love brownie i love caramel and mix those two together and i say caramel but it tastes just as good man doesn't matter how you spell it doesn't matter how you say it when you put it with brownie magnifique it is wonderful not only are they nutritious they're delicious as well they cover them in 100 real chocolate if you love chewy chocolate brownie and you love caramel you love sucking on a werther's original well guess what this is packed with protein and none of the guilt it's 100 real chocolate 17 grams of protein 130 calories and only four grams of sugar go to built.com today to use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off of your order. Go get their Caramel Brownie Built Bars today. Check out their granola. Check out their puffs. Check out their original. There's a million reasons that you should try Built Bar. But today, let's just say it's all because of Caramel Brownie. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off that order at Built.com. I was going to relate it to, um, I'm a Yankee fan as well, and the A-Rod, Derek Jeter conversation where for the most most of my childhood, Alex Rodriguez was the most hated player in baseball. And now you look at it now, people might hate Derek Jeter more than they hate Alex Rodriguez. And Alex Rodriguez actually might be beloved at this point in time. And you go back to the T.O. Donovan McNabb thing. T.O., I mean, outside of his Hall of Fame letdown, which is completely ridiculous, he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's been pretty straightforward and... I mean, hasn't gotten into much trouble. Donovan off the field has been an absolute disaster, man. And it's just one thing after another with this guy. And I I think it does come down to you have to look at it in, in the ego element of it. 
the booing has to have something to do with it. Well, because I think real- he saw how everybody was behind for a, for a while. People refused to admit it now, but this whole city was behind Wentz for a while. This whole city was behind Foles. Oh, like, Nab sure. never felt that, and you could feel the jealousy when he was on ESPN at times. Like you could feel it. Oh, definitely so. And you you talk about by all measures, he should be treated as the goat in Philadelphia, right? And you look at a, a city like Buffalo, how they treat a guy like Jim Kelly, or you look at out here in Denver, how, how they um, do it with Elway as well. And those guys were the best of the best. Kelly, like McNabb, never won a Super Bowl, but the city never held that against him. He was kind of the McNabb of the 90s, man. He was. He choked four, four years in a row in the Super Bowl. McNabb choked four or five times in a conference title. Mm-hmm. He absolutely did, and you have to look at it and say, who was he probably like? I would say Jim Ke- like Jim Kelly, another guy who they hold him high in Buffalo, but not the greatest guy off the field when it comes to like things that he's done in his career. And the quarterback position, it's so unique to everything else. There, there's no other – I mean, in baseball, you have your stars, right? And there's not really one position that – yeah, pitcher, you might have to be in a, a better headspace. In hockey, everybody, you have a line that you play on for a quarter of the game. In basketball, you could probably say that's the closest one. But quarterback, you drive not just a football team. You drive a culture of a city, and you drive history. Like, you're you're the next per- – we always talk about the car analogy, Lou. Like, Philadelphia Eagles, this ship has been around forever. You just have a new captain of the boat every so often, and you have to keep that legacy going, and you have to put your ego aside, man. Like, there's guys in Eagles history that you and I never even talk about and that have more storied careers than Donovan McNabb, if you think about it. Chuck Bednarik, the only guy ever to beat Vince Lombardi, is somebody that most Eagles people will never even mention. You have to put your ego aside in a city like this. You can't come in here. Which is tough. And again, I understand why some don't want to deal with it. But with Donovan, again, he just used it in a way that kind of always bothered me. And it was pretty obvious what he was doing. Again, T.O. was insane to deal with. The sit-ups in the parking lot. Like, it was both (laughs) of them. In his driveway. That was ridiculous. Yeah, like, I understand. Again, and some people just, they're not cut out for Philly. but And I understand it as long as you're not Ben Simmons or you're not handling it the wrong way. I understand why the city, like, it's very hard to deal with. With all of that on top of dealing with T.O., I, I get why that would affect a person, but McNabb just – he didn't even really try from the start to make it work. And then with the Deshaun right. Jackson stuff too, it just it's kind of a culmination of all of this, the comments he's made in past years about other Eagles quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So even, again, with T.O. though, not to excuse him, I, I get that according to Brian Westbrook, I think he talked about it in an interview a few years ago that – T.O. wasn't happy. McNabb wouldn't really vouch for T.O.'s new contract like he did with Westbrook. So that's even relatable for Owens' side. But again, the way both of these guys handled things was just insane. That was, if you were to put pay-per-view, like must-watch titles next to a video, that would have been it. I mean, that was Conor McGregor-level cutting of a promo that I've ever seen in my entire existence as a sports fan. Sitting with your shirt off with the entire Philly media in your driveway doing sit-ups to call out the franchise quarterback and arguably the most successful player in the history of the team is beyond hey, you know beyond what, Vince McMahon you know what, level stuff. I'll give T.O. props because whoever those – 
cowardice anonymous sources were in 2018 and 2019, at least T.O. put his name oh, yeah. He put his whole body in front of it, in front of <laughs> the cameras. Did, so you know what? At least Terrell correct. Owens, I respect it. He put his name out there and went after the franchise quarterback. He always had problems with people, and it was not endearing at all. But I'll tell you what, because we're going to talk about the anonymous sources down the line in a beef history. But um, at least T.O. and McNabb in that way, they were very clear about their feelings towards each other. To this day, I watched, the, I rewatched the interview McNabb had with Bleacher Report a few years ago, and the guy's like, "If you saw To walking down the street, what would you do?" And McNabb's like, "Just kind of throw him a peace sign, and the past is the past, and I'm walking right by him." Like, that doesn't sound like the past is the past. No, he still holds on to it, and that's probably the biggest what could have been an Eagles. Yeah, history, one I would year, say. man. I mean, they would. I don't want to say they would have won a Super Bowl, but you saw they you were right. They were the missing pieces. Like Curse and TO got them over the hump. Yeah, they as, did. We, as we mentioned, Pinkston, Thrash, those guys weren't good enough. You know, Chad no. Lewis being a top target in your passing game, having to have Brian Westbrook have 700 plus receiving yards to make it work. Like he was, man. It totally is one of the biggest what could have been because we saw how electric it was on the field. And it was the same, you know, with Deshaun Jackson and LaShawn McCoy. That mm-hmm. only lasted a year, too. McNabb had 2004 and 2009, where he had an abundance of talent up front. And a lot of it for him, a lot of why it didn't work was on him. Like the, the Jackson comments, outside of jealousy, there's zero reason to say that. Deshaun Jackson in 2009 was one of the greatest receivers in the league and by far the best punt returner, maybe outside of Devin Hester. Um, so and McCoy agreed with it all the way. It just, I, I don't know, man. McNabb doesn't really come off looking great with really any of these beefs. I would say if you look at all-time beloved quarterbacks in the Eagles history, you, of course. Is he went fifth? Uh, no. I, I was just going to say, like, what makes these guys similar? You look yeah. at Jaws, right? Western New York guy, inducted into the Eagles ring of honor, of course. I mean, one of the best quarterbacks in team history. You look at Nick Foles, you look at Harold, like Harold was the best. What am I saying? Harold. I'm thinking about Randall Cunningham, who's throwing to Harold Carmichael. Excuse me, folks. Uh, Cunningham would never, unfortunately never have Carmichael. No, I know. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm mixing them all up. No, you're good. You're good. (laughs) You look at those guys all completely different players. But the one thing that I think separates them, especially Randall, is that he had so much talent, but he he just put everything aside and just knew what it took to win in this city. And he overcame crazy amounts of adversity, getting hurt in the season they thought that they were going to win at all. And, and you look at Jaws. Jaws was never the biggest, most athletic best quarterback, but he led that team to a Super Bowl. And then Nick is a journeyman guy who comes here on his second stint and wins a bowl. But like, what was the similarities between all of them? None of the off field stuff, none of the ego driven stuff. That's what it takes to win at quarterback. Like you have to have that extra smidgen of margin being better than the guy next to you, the guy across from you. Why? If you look back, why did Tom beat Donovan? We, we look at this, yeah. the storied success of what Tom has done. And again, putting he was it a all winner. aside. And McNabb was a winner. He has some of, the, some of the longest playoff runs of, you know, consistently. I mean, he went on a tear yeah. four years in a row, making conference titles and got back to another one two years, three years later in 2008. So it's not like this guy was a complete choke artist, but you're right, man. I think some of these issues we're getting into that, 
you know, led to the beefs with T.O. and Deshaun Jackson and other players as well. Um, it, it did hurt them when they got to that that yeah. peak, right? And it's it's not Nick that Foles he's a chosen artist. To, it's it's yeah. great to elite. Like, that level is yeah. so, so minute of what you can do differently. But it stands out in the biggest of ways. I think it makes sense why Nick Foles was able to be Brady and McNabb wasn't. I think Foles is bizarro McNabb when it comes to all of that personality stuff. It so. did, but right, Lou, like, did it matter? Is Nick Foles the most famous person to walk into Philadelphia any given time? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hill, Would you his, ever know his that about will be him? in the rafters next to McNabb, too. I, Would I think, you ever I know that about point. Nick, though? That he would be the most famous. He's the he's the guy that has no. the money, but you never know he spends the money because he's driving around a Honda Civic, right? He's that type of guy. Donovan, yeah. he's the guy rolling around in a Ferrari, honking his horn, wanting it to be known that he was so great, right? And if he just settled down a little bit and well, it's the kid it, crying for attention because his is, parents it never it gave is, it to man. him, and the parents is the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> I know, I and so he got into Donovan, it with his brothers but, a lot. T.O. and Deshaun Jackson, who the parents gave more attention to. Let's just be straight up. Like, this is a very relatable thing in life, and it's super interesting to look back at it for sure. And, you know, there's a lot more beefs in Eagles history that are very much like this that we'll get into throughout the next coming days. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the show. We're available in audio form on all podcast platforms. Also, we have videos on YouTube, full episodes and exclusive videos on our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter as well, because we're always talking birds all throughout the day at Lockdown Birds, at GC24 underscore football, and at DiBiase, L-O-E. For my co-host, Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Make sure your second listen is the Lockdown NFL podcast, all the news across the league in under 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your shows. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.